Episode 16, number 5 for the in-season podcasts. Pretty good. Shrugging along, Miles. Miles Ullman, here with you, as always, joined by my beautiful co-host, Chandler Hennig. Thanks, Miles. Needed that to start the week. Oh, for sure. How was your weekend? Yeah, it was good. Uh, little Squid Games, a little hanging out. Oh, uh, man. We've been watching Squid... You finished Squid Game. I did. I, I burned through it pretty quickly. So quickly. Yes, I did. You also had off today. I did have off. And I was I was very jealous of that. Yeah. I, I worked, though, part of the day as well, too. It's, yeah. been, it's looking like a busy week ahead. So, But there's still something different about work about working on off days than having a day where you have to be online the entire day. 1,000%. 1,000%. It was also the marathon today in Boston. Yes. Happy uh, rescheduled uh, Marathon Monday. Yeah. Marathon Monday is a big deal in Boston, for those of you who don't know, but it didn't feel like a Marathon Monday today. Because I had work. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, it's also a holiday in Massachusetts, usually uh, Patriots Day. And, and it's typically, in, is it what, is it late April or, or yeah. early May? Yeah, late um, April. Late April. So a little bit different vibe this time around for the, uh, for the rescheduled marathon. But hey, you know, congrats to everyone who ran too. Cheers. All right, let's get into, into some fantasy football. I wanted you, I wanted you to break down a trade that happened on one of my teams in our keeper league um and it was i traded with our boy ian wind shout out to ian i traded away miles gaskin straight up for elijah mitchell um once again this is a keeper league but not crazy keeper implications here but you know ian and i talked about this and we agreed that it made a lot of sense for both of our teams i lost david montgomery and Miles Gaskin was coming off a game where he had two rushes and no other opportunities. So I needed a player, a running back who I could truly rely on if I needed him to start. Um, and Elijah Mitchell provided that for me. Whereas Ian had really good running back depth. And so he was able to take on the risk of Miles Gaskin potentially completely losing his role in Miami. But also there was the upside at the time where he could completely regain his role and and be one of the premier uh, I shouldn't say one of the premier pass catching running backs in the league but a really good pass catching running back for your fantasy squad in RB2 slash three um so so before we get into how they actually performed this week what, what were your thoughts on this trade when it happened yeah um first of all let me say a good policy is to never trade with Ian at all because he seems to know more <laughs> about fantasy football than everyone including the two of us but yeah I, uh, I really I really love this trade Miles um this is, we've talked extensively about the 49er backfield. It seems like they are a topic of conversation for this podcast every single week. Um, but that being said, there is, there seemed to be a good chance and people seem to predict, um, not just us, but, uh, you know, across the fantasy community, the analyst community, that Mitchell would get his role back when, when he returned from injury. And, and that really happened. Um, he, you know, immediately became the RB1. Sermon did absolutely nothing last game. 
I will say the one thing we want to look out for here is when Jeff Wilson does come back, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So there is still some, you know, the school is still out, a, you know, the class is still out a little bit on kind of what this trade looks like at the end of the season. But yeah, I mean, you got, I think, what you needed in a, in a fill-in for hopefully the next couple of weeks at least while, uh, while Montgomery recovers. And Ian, you know, grabbed some low floor, high ceiling. And I think it was on his bench this week, unfortunately, but the ceiling did show itself as well. Yeah, Miles Gaskin went off. He had he, he he reestablished himself as the clear leader of the Miami backfield. He had ten targets, five carries versus uh, Salvan Ahmed's five opportunities. So Gaskin, you know, that trade seemed to really pay off for Ian. Um, although this will probably be Gaskin's best game of the season, I and, have and to imagine. I will t- touch more on that later. But I do still think Elijah Mitchell is a good fill-in. Like you said, Sermon had played, I believe, two snaps and had one carry. So Elijah Mitchell should be playable moving forward, um, could improve throughout the season, but definitely the the risk is there for Jeff Wilson to return and and take over as the RB1 there. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. Um, Wanted to get your thoughts on if you had any other takeaways from watching football yesterday. Yeah, similar to, uh, I think it was last week, how you talked a little bit about the tight end strategy, Miles. I want to revisit briefly the handcuffing strategy um, in fantasy football, particularly around bell cow running backs. So talked about this, I think, in one of the preseason episodes. As a reminder, the handcuffing strategy involves rostering players, almost exclusively running backs, who we think will receive a big bump in volume if the player ahead of them on the depth chart gets injured. And this has been a hugely important strategy through the first couple weeks of the season due to the large number of RBs taken in the early rounds missing time. The, the consensus one-two in fantasy football this year in Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook have both missed a couple of games. It, you know, in that time, their their fill-ins have performed really pretty well. Chuba Hubbard, you know, and we have one game left to go this this week, so there there might be a little bit of variability here, but Chuba Hubbard is currently RB15 in Week 5. He had a really good performance, um, caught a lot of passes, and I think he uh, ran for, I think, over 100 yards as well, too. And Alexander Madison, who we knew about coming into the season, I mean, he was drafted, I think, in the eight to ten-ish range, as an you know, as evidence of kind of his his handcuff value. He's averaged around twenty-five points per game while Dalvin has been Dalvin has been sidelined. So, you know, this is really an important strategy and something we'll talk about with respect to the waiver wire because there were some more running back injuries this week, unfortunately. But here's the relevant fantasy advice. Many of our listeners will play in leagues with uh, injured reserve slots. On Friday and Saturday, players that were questionable or doubtful on your roster will be declared out. Free up those bench spots by moving those players to your IR and pick up handcuffs at the end of the week. If you employ this strategy in the lead up to week five, some of the most important players on the waiver wire that we'll mention in a, in a little bit here could already be on your roster. And I'll give one of those away. I happen to have a free IR slot in one of in one of the leagues. I think it was in the keeper league. Um, or sorry, I had, a, I had a free roster spot because I moved someone to the IR. I picked up Darrell Williams, and I'm pretty happy about it now. Yeah, for sure. And and I I want to clarify. You know, you and I had a debate preseason yes. about handcuff strategy. Yep. And I want to clarify that that was specifically around drafting handcuffs. Yes. We both want handcuffs on our team when they become valuable. Yep. Right. So I the, the argument that I was making is that I don't typically like to to draft handcuffs because 
one they they it feels a little bit like betting against yourself because your your team is going to take a hit if your starter does go down but more importantly the handcuffs all become available at this point in the season right so if it if it comes to week four or five and I've realized that some of the later round flyers that I took that I drafted did not hit now I'm going to scoop up the handcuffs because of the upside that they present if their starter goes down so exactly like you were saying I in plenty of leagues I've bench, you know, I, I've moved my injured players to IR, opened up a roster spot, and taken a handcuff that worked for Damian Williams in one of my leagues uh, before David Montgomery got injured, Samaj P. Ryan before Mixon got injured, Collins before Carson got injured, et cetera, et cetera. So um, definitely love this strategy. Yeah, let me say one thing there. Sure. I, I totally agree that the pool of handcuffs gets significantly larger when the season starts. That being said, guys that were taken like Madison and the other name that comes to mind who's been a little bit on the lull of late, but started the season very hot as Tony Pollard. Some of those guys in that elite tier handcuff range who we thought maybe have some standalone value and that being the reason why they were drafted again in that like eight to 12 ish range. Some of those guys have hit so far as well too. So again, there, there's certainly running backs in that range that have not been productive, but a couple of those guys that were mainly drafted as handcuffs have been valuable up to this point in the season. Yeah, no, I, I you, that's definitely true. I just think there's also a chance that this is a statistically uh, that this is an outlier season statistically yeah, in terms that's of that. last year that was not really the case. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. My takeaway for the week is the Rams offense. I wanted to talk about them and and typically I don't talk about teams on uh, that that played on the Thursday night game because I do tweet about them, but I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast because this is such a fantasy relevant team. So, first takeaway here is Bobby Woods is back, baby. Uh, he was 12 for 150 on 14 targets. Um, side note here, I'm not at all worried about Cooper Cup. He still had 10 targets, so he's still going to be great. But Sean McVay, head coach of the Rams, did say that he wanted to get Woods more involved, and he actually did. This was one of the rare times that coach speak equaled action on, on the field. Um, I am not selling high. On Robert Woods. I'm holding. There is a good chance that this is his best game of the season, and I acknowledge that um, 12 for 150 is hard to repeat, but I also think that he's a solid wide receiver too moving forward, which is exactly why you drafted him, and at this point, if he's still on your team, you've probably already figured out a wide receiver too, so now you have two wide receiver twos, and that just makes your team that much better. I also wanted to call attention to the backfield, and specifically the fact that Sony Michelle has really earned himself some touches in the Rams' backfield. Daryl Henderson Jr., the starter, had 17 carries and one target, while Sony Michelle had 11 carries and one target. So that's not too far off, whereas previously we had seen Henderson, I think, dominate like 95% of the, ca- of, of the opportunities in the backfield or something along those lines. So I'd, I'd obviously prefer to have Henderson. He's still the RB1 there, but... Sony should have some standalone value too and and is clearly an extremely valuable handcuff to boot. So if he does happen to be on waivers in your league, implement the strategy that Chandler just mentioned about moving IR uh, moving injured players to your IR and scoop up Sony Michelle. Yeah, um love the take from a fantasy analyst standpoint, don't like the take so much as a Henderson <laughs> owner. Um yeah, I think the one thing I will say is Henderson was banged up in the in the Thursday night game, so that might have contributed to this a little bit. That being said, though, Sony did get 
a couple of goal line touches, which I'm not sure if we can attribute that to Henderson being banged up. And if Sony does start to get some of this goal line work on a team that's scoring a lot of points in general, again, his value just goes up from there as well. Yep. Let's get into some injuries and news updates. Um, here are the players who were placed on IR since we last recorded. As a reminder, being placed on IR means you're missing a minimum of three games. First name is David Montgomery. This is not surprising. We knew he had had the, in- the knee injury. That's why we told you to pick up Damian Williams. He'll be out for three, a minimum of three games, but it was expected originally to be four or five. George Kittle is the next name. He was placed on IR with a calf injury, and this one was actually surprising. You and I were together on Friday night. We were playing some poker. Chandler cleaned up. I did not lose money. I'm a card shark. What can <laughs> I say? I did not lose money, which is what I, that was my goal. Um, but this kind of came out of nowhere, and I looked looked at you when I got the notification, and I was like, why is George Kittle doubtful? And you were like, I don't know. And then we found out that he's placed on IR. So this sucks. Um, I tweeted out that I was interested in Ross Dwelly as a dart throw. Um, he In previous seasons, he has performed with Kittle out, but this past week he did not perform. Um, so I don't think there's a need to pick him up if you did not pick him up. And if you did pick him up, you can probably safely drop him. Um, Will Fuller is the next name. He was placed on IR with a finger injury. Like we said last week, you can drop him. Any disagreement there? No, I think I said wait one more week, but yeah, he he can't stay healthy right now, and and he is not, again, as I think we mentioned, creating chemistry with who we hope will be the main quarterback to uh, when he gets back from injury. Yep. Tony Jones, backup running back in New Orleans, um, is placed on IR with an ankle injury. Here are the names who were out heading into week four games. Um, Christian McCaffrey is the first one, still dealing with that hamstring injury. Panthers are optimistic that he'll be back for week six, and that's why Chuba had that good game. That was a weird one, too, because it seemed like there was a lot of optimism early in the week for yeah. McCaffrey to play, and then it the optimism totally went away, like starting on Friday, which was strange. I do think that that's a good sign, though, that yes. he was yeah. had a good week, and then they said, you know what, let's give it one more week, let's not push it, keep your, your star running back healthy. Yes, absolutely. Similar situation here, Dalvin Cook um, missed week four, or excuse me, missed week five with an ankle injury. This, I thought, was a blessing because you would have had to start him if he had played, and he definitely would have been limited if he had played, and it would have sucked, and he would have been disappointing, but thankfully you were able to move him into your IR slot, give him another week to, to rest up, and this was really good for Madison managers as well because he had himself a day, like you said. Chris Carson missed week five with a neck injury. He's still day-to-day now. Alex Collins was meh in his absence. I still think Alex Collins is valuable, though. I, th- I think we said that last week, maybe, if if Dal- uh, if Carson was out. I think Alex Collins got something like 18 opportunities. Mo- you know, 15 of that, I think, was rushing attempts. If he's on your wire, um, he might actually be behind some of these other players we're going to talk about, but I still think he's worth a stash, especially because the nature of this injury for Carson is is pretty scary as well too it seems like it's mostly a pain management thing but it, it might just flare up at random points this season and in that case Ellis Collins will be I think a decent spot start most weeks yep Julio Jones missed week five still with that hamstring injury AJ Brown who was also out with the hamstring week four did play we kind of expected a huge game from AJ Brown but he was pretty disappointing do you agree <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> 
I don't know what's going on with this Tennessee offense right now. Yeah, I mean, I know actually, I know one thing that's going on with this Tennessee offense. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the offense. Yeah, he. Derrick Henry has been out of his mind. He he is on pace to break the um the rushing attempts record right now, and he's on pace. I'm pretty sure for over two thousand yards again. It's a little scary because I I feel like he's getting too much work and he's just gonna break down at some point, but. The dude is such a beast. We've also said that I think like every week for like the past three seasons. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Play Derrick Henry. There's not really a whole lot of actual fantasy advice on that one. Yep. Russell Gage missed week five with an ankle injury, and Calvin Ridley did not fly to London either. But this was a personal issue. Um, we don't have the details on that, but it was not an injury, so no need to be worried there. These two being out contributed to Kyle Pitts's monster breakout game. Um, this is what we were waiting for if, if you're a Pitts manager. Yep, we'll talk about that one a little bit. Yep. Um, Devontae Parker missed with a hamstring. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both out once again with hamstring injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo missed with a calf injury. And Trey Lance with the start. We'll talk about Lance a little bit later. Um, Peyton Barber missed with a turf toe. Justin Jackson missed with the groin injury. That's the backup or one of the backup running backs for the Chargers. And I think it's worth noting that Roundtree had zero opportunities. Um, we would have expected him to have more in Jackson's ob- absence, but the Chargers really didn't run it a ton. Yeah, my note here is that they were too busy passing to Mike Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And the last name is Gerald Everett, missed again with the COVID illness. Yep. Um, healthy scratches for the week. Ramondre Stevenson. Just kidding. He was active. <laughs> uh, he got touches, too. He got 11 carries, I think, something like that, yes. but for like 24 yards, nothing crazy. Yeah. But I guess a good sign for, for Ramondre if he you did manage have, He did have a touchdown call back as well, too, I think, on a hold. That's so he true. did get some goal line work. Yeah, fair enough. Damien, I think, left the game at that point, yeah, though. Yeah, he had like two separate injuries. He had some chest stuff. Yep. We'll talk about that in a second, but he seems like he's going to be okay. Yep. Um, heading into tonight's Monday night football game, though, Lev Bell is a healthy scratch. So last week it was Tyson Williams. This week it's Lev bell tyson gets another chance tonight Uh, maybe yeah i mean it's it's gonna be too late by the time you hear this but i would not be starting tyson williams anyway no i mean and maybe he was dropped last week we'll see you know you'll know i think pretty clearly if he is a pickup again in in you know for week six yep here are the injuries that happened this week in week five was not a good weekend for the Chiefs or Giants. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we'll start there. Running back for the Chiefs. He's expected to miss a few weeks with an MCL sprain. Daryl Williams is the handcuff to pick up. This looked ugly. His like his knee was in a direction it should not have been. He was like bent back over somebody. Just a hard injury to watch. Yeah, th- this this was thought to be worse than an MCL yes, sprain. Yep. So good good news, I guess. All all things considered. Yeah. Travis Kelsey, star tight end, has a stinger, which is a neck injury. Um, His status for week six is questionable right now, so definitely monitor that one. Saquon Barkley moving on to the Giants. Um, Low ankle sprain. Could miss two to four weeks. Almost definitely out for week six. This this really sucks, um, especially because Saquon was having early season issues. He finally got right and and is, is just starting to look like that star running back that you drafted. And now he's going to miss more time. Yep. Um, Devontae Booker is the backup there to pick up, and we'll talk about him. Kenny Galladay, free agent signings, free agent splash signing for the New York Giants, hyperextended his knee. He's undergoing an MRI. He's questionable for week six. 
This the Giant. I just feel so bad for yeah. the Giants right now. What is that? One, two, three, four right now between Slayton, Sterling, Galladay, and and Saquon. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's rough. the last one is Daniel Jones, their quarterback, has a concussion, left week five. He's questionable for week six. Um, and this is another one where, you know, he was j- just starting to sort of become nationally recognized as a, as a much improved QB. Yeah. I still am a little skeptical of his talent, to be honest, but, um, you know, I, I feel for the fan base. Yeah, he was a consistent streaming option for the, for the past couple of weeks. Yep. Juju Smith-Schuster, that man, all of these injuries are so sad. Uh, yeah, I know. And it's like the same cast of characters, too. You know, Saquon, yeah. Kenny, Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster, likely to miss the rest of the season with a shoulder injury that's going to require surgery. Um, it's just so sad for Juju because he yeah. he turned down more money and, and, and longer contracts from other teams to re-sign with the Steelers, sort of bet on himself, and it it, it is not looking good for him right now. Nope. Crazy how 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 much he fell off since his rookie debut. Yeah. Um, but this does open more targets up for Claypool and Deontay. So if if you do if you do roster Claypool or Deontay Johnson, then you you can be excited about probably an uptick in targets. Yeah, and actually, let me make a uh, pause quickly here because I talked about the Steelers' offense in a, in a recent episode and how it's it was kind of murky behind Deontay and Najee because of volume. All it takes is one injury here. Claypool mm-hmm. looks like he's going to get some volume if if this previous week is any evidence, and his value has just gone up pretty massively with this injury. Yeah, and I mean, we saw a couple weeks ago Juju was out, and Najee got a huge uptick, uptick yep. in targets, so yep. definitely something to keep an eye on, and I guess we'll see. Speaking of Najee Harris, he did leave the game with some cramps. Um, he's questionable for week six. I'm kind of expecting him to play, though, yep. to be honest. I would, too. This is another big one. Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, will be Mr. Limited <laughs> for the next four to eight weeks with a torn tendon plus a fracture and dislocation of his finger. Um, he's targeting a week 10 return. It's sad. We kind of thought Russ was invincible. He never misses games, but, you know, lo and behold, it all it takes is a finger injury. Um, what... Break this down for me. What's the impact to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and even the run game? Yeah, I would say the biggest downgrade is from is for Lockett. He is valuable because he goes boom on those long, often touchdown receptions from from Russ. He he and Russ have that. You know, we we think of Gronk and Brady as like the the mind meld example, but but Lockett and Russ have that as well too. Um, so I think you know. The backup here is Geno Smith, who performed actually pretty well in filling in for, for Russell uh, to end the game on Thursday, but you know just doesn't have the talent of, of Russ. So I think Lockett gets the biggest downgrade. I think DK will be all right. He gets a small bump down, but DK is the shorter yardage guy. He's also an animal. He will go up and get, get it. He doesn't need to be like a perfect pass, um, and I think he'll be okay. And run game, I think this is really TBD right now. we got to figure out what the deal with Carson is, and I would imagine if they have a healthy run game that they will try and lean more on it, but this defense is not good. I mean, they're going to need to they're going to need to throw the ball to stay in games. Yeah, I agree with everything. The only thing I would add is you can definitely drop the tight ends at this point if you yeah. if you're still rostering Gerald Everett, you can definitely drop him. Yeah. Um, do you have any interest in picking up Geno Smith? No. Um, it's been too long since we've seen it. I would there's going to be probably three or four other options on a week to week basis that I'll be. Pre- you know, preferring the stream until I do see it a couple weeks from Gino. Yep. 
Curtis Samuel, wide receiver for the Washington football team, aggravated that groin injury that had him on IR to start the season. He's considered week-to-week right now. This is not good. With Logan Thomas also out um, for the week, and and I forgot to throw that in the out for for week five, but Logan Thomas was out as well. Um, You know, the football team's struggling, but this could be a huge bump to Terry. Yeah, this is... If you need a roster spot, this is a drop for me at this point, Miles. It it just hasn't happened for Samuel. I feel I feel really bad for him, but this he might need he might need surgery on this. I'm I'm holding until I get that news though, just because he he when he did return in week four last week, he had four targets on I think under fifty percent of snaps. So, I and and that was because he was intentionally limited. So. They are targeting him when he's out there. I think that if if he does come back and sees the uptick in snaps, he should see an uptick in targets as well. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we get the injury news, then he's probably a drop, unfortunately. Yep. Max Williams, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, potentially out for the season with a knee injury. I think Hopkins, Moore, Green, Kirk, Edmonds, all the pass catchers there get a slight bump. Do you, do you have a different take? No, I think that's... It's weird. Like no, as I look across this list, none of these guys are red zone threats. It feels like you know Hopkins, of course, is is the alpha, and maybe he gets more looks in the red zone moving forward. But it's hard. You know, Max Williams was valuable because he was scoring touchdowns. It's hard to figure out who gets that work moving forward in this. What is admittedly a pretty murky, you know, murky situation here. So Madre P Ryan, we got this news today. Tested positive for COVID, so he'll probably miss week six. Um, so fire up your Joe Mixons. Quintez Cephas. This is a very interesting one. Um, he's likely to miss the rest of the season with a broken collarbone. We'll talk about this, but Yu-Gi-Oh! St. Brown gets a bump. He will be the the wide receiver one in Detroit. Yeah. And hey, Lions, maybe throw the ball to TJ Hawkinson. Oh, your, yeah, your for best, sure. Your, your best asset on offense. Yeah, big facts. Jacoby Brissett, hamstring injury, probably... Don't start any Dolphins if neither Brissett nor Tua are good to go week six. Do you agree there? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Deontay Harris, wide receiver for the Saints, left the game with a hamstring injury, and Taysom Hill left the game with a concussion. Both of those guys you probably were not starting anyway. Um, just a few non-injuries to make you aware of for monitoring this week. Monitoring, that's a hard word. Tyreek Hill, minor knee injury, not expected to miss any time. Joe Burrow, he was taken to the hospital after the game to be evaluated for a throat contusion, but he's expected to play week six. Justin Fields, hyperextended knee, should be good to go. And Damian Harris, like we mentioned, uh, ribs slash chest injuries, he's checked out fine. That, that was the direct quote, he checked out fine. I don't really know what that means, but I think he's fine. <laughs> yeah, he should be good to go. All right, a few drop candidates to throw at you. Um, first name is, well, I have a few backup running backs and then a wide receiver that we can't stop talking about. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Kenyon Drake. Yeah. I mean, so do you, well, the first thing to mention here is Josh Jacobs role. Josh Jacobs was, was the guy this that was this past week. Um, if, if you need the roster spot, I have no issue dropping, dropping Kenyon. I, I, you know, Kenyon to me was almost like one of those elite handcuffs that, uh, that hopefully had some standalone value coming into the season. And then the Raiders signed Peyton Barber, and we laughed when John Gruden said that Peyton Barber is like a, the guy when, when Jacobs is out, and then that came true. So, yeah, Drake is not getting any receiving work with Josh Jacobs in the lineup, which is 
really weird because Jacobs has never been that guy. But yeah, if you need the if you need the spot, I would drop Drake. I would drop Drake whether or not you need the roster spot. I think he's he's clogging up your roster at this point. I'd rather have a, a handcuff RB like you mentioned. Sure. Um, Jacobs got five targets. Yeah, what the heck? This is, is that the all target about? volume that we've always hoped for, and for some reason it comes when their backfield has never been more crowded. But you the know, Raiders make no sense. Yeah, it, 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 the Raiders have never made any sense. They zig when everyone else zags, and not in a good way. <laughs> um ty johnson is the next name um running back for the jets he had eight five and seven opportunities last three weeks and the important note here is that michael carter the rookie running back for the new york jets is ascending he had 12 16 and 13 opportunities in the last three weeks yeah um ty johnson's absolutely a drop uh and i'll talk about michael carter on the buy low segment nice carlos hyde is the next name yeah, um, Carlos Hyde had been involved, and we, we sort of knew this was going to be the case too, right? Because we we had that history of the relationship between him and, and Urban Meyer dating back to the Ohio State days. But again, another one where I'd be fine dropping Hyde. I don't think he's like an elite handcuff to James Robinson at this point because Hyde is not that talented really. Um, and Robinson is back to getting this this bell cow volume that you know basically makes Hyde irrelevant when when Robinson is playing. Yep. AJ Dillon. Yeah, this is a weird one because we thought this was going to be some standalone value to start the season and it didn't happen because Jones was so good. But yeah, 12 opportunities and 16 opportunities in the last, you know, in the last week. Um, he does seem to have standalone value and, and he is that elite tier handcuff. I would hold on to Dillon in the same vein of you picking up guys like Damian Williams, like Daryl Williams. You know he he will be valuable and he might have some standalone value as well too even without the Jones injury. Yeah, I'd much rather have Dylan than those other handcuffs. Yes, a hundred percent. All right, last one while uh, while Miles coughs and uh, we can't quit I was, you. I was going to edit that out, but no we, worries. <laughs> we can't we can't quit you, but uh, yeah, Robbie Anderson, Miles, what do we do? Yeah, I think you. I think you can drop him. I mean. He had this bump in target volume last week. He had eleven targets, and he's down to he's down to seven in 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 this most recent week. He only had two receptions in week five, so he's just not on the same page as Darnold, who also had a bad week. If you can include him as a sweetener in a deal, I would I would do so. But if you need the roster spot, you can drop Robbie at this point. McCaffrey's coming back soon, and he will probably get some of that volume that Robbie has. Yeah, I yeah, it's so tough, but I think you just need to to rip the band-aid off with Robbie. Yeah. Um all right, let's get into some waiver wire targets. We'll start at running back, and the first name that I want to bring up is Khalil Herbert. He's rostered in 21% of leagues. He was 18 for 75 on the ground. And this is the what we th- thought of as the third string running back for the Chicago Bears, but he actually saw more carries than Damian Williams did. And Damian Williams saw 16. Damian did have three targets while Herbert wasn't targeted at all, but I'd rather have Damian for pass catching, to be clear. But Herbert has value, at least while both Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery are out. Yeah, um, the only thing I will note here is that Damian, I think, did get banged up a little bit in this game, too, so that might have contributed to it. But, yeah, it seems like Herbert has some standalone value, and... 
especially as an end of the bench guy, would be happy to to throw this on on the kind of the bottom of my waiver wire list for this week. Do you think David Montgomery is a sell high? No, because I think David Montgomery will be a sell high. But what I am hoping for from a Montgomery owner is that Montgomery comes back. He has a good week and like the first two weeks of him being back from injury. And maybe, you know, maybe he has a good week despite his volume decreasing a little bit because it seems like some, you know, it seems like they've, the Bears have been productive with these backup running backs. And then I would sell him. I don't think Montgomery's value is super high right now with him on the injury list. Yeah, there's just a lot of capable guys in that backfield, and Nagy might start implementing a little bit more of an RBBC. Plus, Tariq Cohen will be back. It, it's just, I'm just a little scared, but that's probably good advice to, to wait until he's back. Um, Daryl Williams is the next running back that we want to mention. We, we brought him up. He's the backup to Clyde. He's 19% rostered. He went 5 for 27, and he had three receptions on five targets for 18 yards. Um, and he was actually seeing a little bit of volume before the CEH injury. Uh, I did <laughs> the CEH injury. For some reason, I always confuse injury and industry. Why is that? I, I have no clue. Those words are not related either, really. All right. There's, maybe we can title this uh, Clyde injury, injury Industries, industry, Injury Industry Part 2. Podcasting is hard. Yeah, great. <laughs> Seven rushes on, and three targets in week three for Daryl Williams and 10 rushes and two targets in week four for Daryl Williams. So, so the volume was sort of on the rise there. Um, so definitely worth a pickup. What do you do with Clyde? He's been disappointing, but then he, we thought he was kind of back to, to this, um, low end RB one, high end RB two tier, but now he's injured again. What are you doing with Clyde? Yeah. I, miles was Clyde my sell high last week. I think he was, I think so. Yes. So, yeah, hopefully you sold high last week. <laughs> if you did not, I don't. I think you got to hold on to Clyde. Um, again, this injury initially was something that we thought might have been like a season ender or very long term. The prognosis is shitty, of course, because he's going to be out for a while. But it's better than what you thought it was. Clyde's you know value has tanked with this injury. I would, if you're an owner hold on to him hopefully you have an IR spot you can stick him in and hopefully he regains some of this role when he when he gets back but yeah I'd be scared because if Daryl similar to Chicago if Daryl Williams plays well and the other name will kind of throw out there this would be kind of a zero a zero percent or a zero dollar fab bit or something like that if Jarek McKinnon also looks good I'd be worried because again Clyde was seeding some of this volume already and now there's going to be a couple weeks where the backup running backs on the Chiefs can potentially perform. Next name is Devontae Booker, backup running back for the New York Giants behind Saquon. 11% rostered, went 16 for 42 and a touchdown on the ground. He also had three receptions on four targets for 16 yards and a touchdown through the air. Um, <laughs> Daniel Jones was good for fantasy and pretty bad for real-life football. Mike Glennon, the backup QB, should be worse for both. It's very possible that the Giants lean more on the run than they have been doing up to this point, but the caveat there is also Devontae Booker is significantly worse than Saquon Barkley. Totally, totally. So it's a little bit of a give and take. Last year, we had a similar situation. Saquon went down. A lot of people invested heavy fab into uh, Devontae Freeman, and that didn't really pan out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be iffy. Um 
that being said, Devonte did get the significant rushing rushing volume when Saquon did go down. Yeah, fair enough. Moving on to wide receivers here, Kadarius Tony, dude, we owe Kadarius Tony an apology. We have been really? we I do at least. Maybe you weren't as brutal on him and as harsh on him as as I and Ian had been for the preseason, but I did not believe in Kadarius Tony at all. I thought that he was a gadget player. I thought that it was a terrible draft pick by the Giants, and maybe there's there's still some merit to that. But dude, he is good. He is so shifty. Put the ball in his hands, and he just works some magic. I I, I mean, he's so fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, he's entertaining, I'll give you that. But let's just go over 31% rostered, 10 receptions for 189 yards on 13 targets. Whew, that's a lot. Uh, he has full-on broken out. And then, you know, I, I think the reason I am— Look, Kadarius is an electric player in good and bad ways. He got ejected from the game for throwing a punch at, a, I think, a Cowboys defensive back or one of the Cowboys defensive I, I players. I will never— ever ever be able to fathom what goes through someone's mind when they throw a punch at a football helmet yeah i i don't well seeing red potentially i don't, I don't know I, I just am not as excited about Kadarius this week as i think other people are yes he he looks really good and this might be a player in the future that if he has five five opportunities similar to like these guys like Miko Hardman and Emmanuel Sanders might break a long one for like 80 yards or something and become as valuable in that way but Kadarius was like literally the only option by the time this game was over with Shepard and Slayton being out and also Galladay and Saquon going down. I just, if you want to chase it, like the excitement, that's fine, but I can't commit to putting any, any sort of substantial fab on, on this player for this week. I don't know. I, I just think that after this performance and, and even the the previous week, he was really good. I, I just think that the, the Giants are going to make sure that Tony is involved more moving forward. He is he gets a ton of separation. He's super fast. He's super shifty. Like I mentioned, he can play basically out of the backfield or, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and yeah. so quick dump offs to Kadarius Tony from Mike Lennon might just be their MO moving forward. Um, you know, yes, Slayton and Shepard were out, and that definitely contributed. I think that the the insane target share, which was at like forty or forty five percent, will definitely come down. But I do think that they're gonna make that they're going to actively make sure that he's involved, and there's a chance that moving forward, he significantly out targets Shepard, Slayton, even Galladay when he comes back, and and probably Evan Engram too. Yeah, I'm not sold. Again, I don't mind taking a shot if you have the space on your roster, but especially if you're a team that needs needs some wins now, there are other players I'd be I'd be preferring to to roster. All right, next wide receiver is another rookie wide receiver, and it's Yu-Gi-Oh St. Brown. That's Amon Ra St. Brown. If you have not been following the nicknames of the show, but he's rostered in 19% of leagues. He went seven for 65 yards on eight targets. Um, and, and he's actually had eight targets each of the last two weeks. He is the Lions wide receiver one now. He had eight targets versus Quintez Cephas's three, Khalif Raymond's two, Kadero Hodges' uh, five targets, but he only caught one of those. Quintez, like we mentioned, um, is out for the season with the broken clavicle. 
and and the only other really person standing in his way is Tyrell Williams, who might come back from that concussion. He was on IR, but I don't really expect Tyrell to come back and eat into Yu-Gi-Oh's workload, personally. I, I think Tyrell will maybe come in and eat into Khalif Raymond's or Kaderil Hodges. Um, I, I really believe in, in Yu-Gi-Oh St. Brown, and, and I actually really like what I've seen from him on the field. It's also worth mentioning that he's eaten into Hawkinson's work, too. Hawkinson only had three targets, and like we mentioned at the top of the show, it's time for the Lions to throw more to Hawkinson. It really pains me, but this is, you know, you have to play fantasy football for, for what you're seeing on the field. Yeah, I uh, Tyler Williams is not talented enough to come back and immediately take over as the wide receiver one, and we've said it many times, we'll probably continue to say it, the wide receiver one on pretty much any team in the NFL has value, and, and right now it is pretty clearly Yu-Gi-Oh. Yep. A few more names to mention for wide receivers. Van Jefferson, 23% rostered. He he only caught one ball for 16 yards on four targets, but he's had six targets, six targets, four targets the last three weeks, and he's on a great offense, so we've talked about him before. Next name to bring up is Miko Hardman, wide receiver for the Chiefs, rostered in 52% of leagues. So, so slightly above that threshold. So he he's probably not rostered, but or, or sorry, he's probably not available, but worth checking. Um, he went nine for seventy six on twelve targets, which is by far, I'm pretty sure, his best game of his career. Um, particularly if Kelsey has to miss time with that stinger, I think I'm comfortable starting Hardman. Yeah, I'm I'm not quite there yet because the Chiefs have not shown a propensity to consistently have someone fill in when one of those top receiving options those being Kelsey or he'll go out um I don't think he's a bad dart throw but if Kelsey is out like it wouldn't shock me if like Byron Pringle has has the good game behind Tyreek Hill either yep Demarcus Robinson as well yep um last name for wide receivers is Rashad Bateman he's rostered in 41 percent of leagues this is the rookie wide receiver for the Ravens he is still in IR but he's expected to be back week six I just think that he makes for an interesting stash I'm not promising anything, but he's probably worth throwing onto your IR spot right now. Agreed, yeah. Moving on to quarterbacks, the only name I wanted to bring up is Trey Lance. He is 61% rostered, so again, above our typical threshold, but he had 14.5 fantasy points on zero touchdowns, and that came from 16 rushing attempts. We told you before the season that rushing quarterbacks are cheat codes, and the dude's a stud. Heading into his bye week, um, his bye week is week six this week. So he, he's heading into that bye week and Jimmy G might get the start for week seven if his calf injury is healed by then. But, you know, Trey Lance might get dropped in your league because of those two things. And so if you're really struggling at quarterback, I say pick him up slash hold him if you already have him just in case he starts. Because if he does start, like I said, he'll, he'll be a stud for fantasy. Yeah, and there is going to be someone in your league, it might be you, that's going to need a fill in at quarterback with Russell Wilson being being out. The only name I'll bring up here is is Trevor Lawrence, who has started to look a little bit better in, in recent games. He's running the ball as well, too, as Miles just mentioned. That's what we want from our quarterbacks. So T-Law, and he is very much still match dependent. He is not remotely in that tier of Russell Wilson. But if you are struggling at, at quarterback or you're now struggling with Russ, Russ going down, give Lawrence a look. I think he's probably around the 62 range, so he can't make this list. But 40% of the league's about if he's available in. Yeah, I also just want to mention that I, I just got the notification after we started recording that Trey Lance sprained his knee. Oh. Um, so that's a new one. 
Um, apparently, he might be out for week seven in Indy. Once again, this upcoming week, he's on by. So definitely something to monitor there. Um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, on to tight ends now. Both of these next two guys are rostered in over 50% of leagues, but please just make sure that both Dawson Knox and Dalton Schultz are rostered and pick them up. If not, they are the tight ends two and three, respectively, right now in PPR. Dawson Knox this past week went three for 117 and a touchdown on four targets, and Schultz went six for 79 on eight targets. He has had somehow a higher target share than both CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in the last three weeks for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, which is crazy to me, but these are two legit tight ends rest of season, and I think that you have to treat them that way. Question for you is, who of those two would you prefer to have rest of season? Schultz. uh, Knox has been incredible. He's been a streaming option for for us, I think, for at least a cup, uh, one episode, maybe even more than that, and he's getting the looks in the red zone, which is awesome, but... uh, Man, eight targets as as a tight end in a good offense with a good quarterback throwing to you. Give me Schultz. Any concern that the target volume comes down when Gallup returns? Yeah, a little bit. But Knox has been blowing up because of those touchdowns, and especially in a non-elite tight end, I don't want to rely on that. Knox might be a a sell-high candidate. We've talked about how um, tight ends are not as valuable as you think. If you can get a a good running back or a wide receiver for, for Dawson Knox right now, I would take that shot. Yeah, it's true. It's just Dawson Knox is looking like this year's Robert Tunyon. Yeah. Where it is super touchdown dependent, but it's also on a team that throws a ton of touchdowns and he's the go-to red zone target. And, you know, there there is a chance that this touchdown regression that we're expecting just never comes this season. Yeah, that's possible. And that's why he's a sell high. He's, you know, try and see what you can get for him. Um, the only other name to bring up for tight end is Dan Arnold. Um, rostered in 7% of leagues, went 6 for 64 on 8 targets. He, the 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 Jaguars went out and got him. Um, they traded for him when James O'Shaughnessy went on IR. And 8 targets, we just mentioned it for Schultz, 8 targets is, is really good for, for your tight end. So there's a chance that this is a fluke, but there's also a chance that this is you know a sign of things to come so i'm taking the shot if i'm struggling at tight end and, and rostering dan arnold yep agreed moving on to streamers of the week who are you streaming at quarterback taylor heineke for washington football team uh versus kansas city volume plus matchup here folks heineke had a bad game in week four against what is probably a good saints defense but he threw the ball 41 times and rushed five times for 40 yards he's actually done i think in back-to-back weeks the rushing Washington's defense is not stopping Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, meaning they're going to have to put up points, and Kansas City's defense is terrible. I think he is a good start this week. Yep. My start of the week is, or my stream of the week, is Carson Wentz versus the Houston Texans. Wentz is not a sexy quarterback play right now. but he's, sure? Uh, he's pretty sexy. <laughs> not a sexy quarterback play. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me let you finish. Yeah, yeah. But he's had a 17-point floor in three of his four games pending Monday Night Football tonight, but we'll see. And the Houston defense is so susceptible to the pass. They give up so many points to the quarterback. Um, It's an in-division home game. I think Wentz should be fine. Yep. Tight end. Yeah, he's 51% rostered, so he's right at the line. But uh, Hunter Henry versus Dallas. Hunter Henry is getting the passing volume, including in the red zone. Last three games, he's got six six targets, five targets, eight targets, and he's got two touchdowns. 
He seems to have the trust of Mac Jones, maybe relative to Johnny Smith. Um, and this defense, you know, Dallas is a weird one where they're both okay to start if you're starting defensive, you know, defensive units, and they're giving up a lot as well too. Yep, I like that one because in my dynasty league where I roster Kittle, had to move him to IR, started Hunter Henry, and yeah. uh, he performed this week. So hoping that he can do it for the next two. Yeah, Hunter Henry and Dawson Knox burned me in two separate leagues. This <laughs> oh, week, so. yikes! Um, my tight end stream of the week is Dan Arnold versus the Miami Dolphins. Like I said, they traded for him. They they seem to trust him, and if he has another eight target game, he'll be a great streamer. Yeah, who's your defense? Dallas D versus New England. Again, this is a weird one because Dallas is giving up points, but their secondary is playing out of its mind at the moment. Trayvon Diggs has six interceptions by himself. Every single game of the season, he yeah, has an interception. It's ridiculous. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a story that apparently when he was at Alabama, he like cried when Saban swapped him from wide receiver to cornerback and. Yeah, Saban is a good football coach, uh, yeah. so that one's working out pretty well. Did, uh, did you know that Trayvon Diggs is Stephon Diggs' brother? I, I did know that, yeah. Crazy. I did. Um, but back to, the, back to the matchup here. Dallas, you know, now got a bad offense in the Patriots, being led by Mac Jones, who has five interceptions through five weeks. Target rookie quarterbacks, especially against ball hawk defenses. Yep. I am streaming the Rams defense versus the Giants. We talked about all the injuries that the Giants have. Danny Dimes is concussed. Wide receiver one, Kenny Galladay, is likely to miss with a knee. Uh, injury, Saquon's out with a low ankle sprain. It's just va- bad vibes all around, so I'm confident in the Rams' defense despite their underwhelming performance through five weeks. We, we kind of expected them to be a top-tier defense. They yep. haven't been, but I, I still think that they'll perform for fantasy versus the Giants this week. Yep. Who's your streaming kicker of the week? I've done this in back-to-back weeks, I realized. I have like a couple, I have like one matchup with like all of my streaming options, but hey, they're available. Greg Zerline from the Dallas Cowboys versus New England. This matchup is basically what you want with respect to your kicker. Greg, the leg plays on a good offense that should be able to move the ball down the field, um, but it's a good defense in the Patriots that we expect to bear down and get some stops when the Cowboys are in field goal range. My streaming kicker is Harrison Bucker of the Chiefs versus the Washington football team. Um, Bucker has has definitely been disappointing this year because the, the whole Chiefs offense has kind of been disappointing this year. But going down narrative street a little bit, I, I, I do think that they're going to come out angry um, after that loss to the Bills, after two straight losses. And the Washington defense just gave up 33 points to the Saints. I think the Chiefs are going to put points on the board and Bucker should benefit from that. Yep. Um, moving on to trade targets, who is your buy low of the week? Yeah, I mentioned this already, but let's circle back. Michael Carter running back for the New York Jets. Here's the thought process on this one. You have a chance to acquire a player who seems to be tracking towards low-end RB2 value by the end of the season. Let's, let's dig a little bit further into the volume for the Jets' backfield. In week three, Carter had nine rushing attempts. Ty Johnson had three. He had, Carter had three targets. Ty Johnson had five. In week four, Carter had 13 rushing attempts, Tevin Coleman had four, and Ty Johnson had three. Carter had three targets, and they had two each for Tevin and Ty. In week five, it was 10, four, and three on rushing attempts, and three, three, and one on targets. So you might be a team that's sitting at 5-0 and or 4-1 and and happen to have rostered one of these handcuffs that are now relevant, like Darrell Williams or Devonta Booker. If you don't need to play those players because you're good at running back, I'd be willing to trade Carter for, excuse me, for Carter with the belief that he could be a valuable asset later in the season. I think this is trending up. I think the Jets do see that he's the most talented running back in that offense, and he just looks the best in the field when I, when I, watch, when I watch them play. 
Yeah, I love it. I don't think that he'll become an RB1 for fantasy per se, but, you know, he's never going to dominate per se, but I do think that he's, by the end of the season, you know, going to probably outperform his ADP and... um, he, if he's a solid RB two, that yes. is in a way a, a league winner. Yes, absolutely. My buy low target is Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills, and I might feel more strongly about this buy low target than any other buy low or even sell high that we've done the entire season. And I'm a huge Stefan Diggs fan. Uh, last year, he was on two of my three championship rosters. Um, this year, I went out and got him. In <clears throat> excuse me, in our startup dynasty draft because I really wanted him on my team. He is the wide receiver twenty four currently, and he's also coming off of a game in week five where he had only two receptions on five targets. But here are some reasons why I think that 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 wide receiver twenty four placement that he's in right now will definitely improve throughout the season. He's currently tenth in targets. He's second in air yards. And he's tied for third in end zone targets. He is tied to one of the best offenses and quarterbacks in Josh Allen in the entire league. He has been talented his entire career from his time on the Vikings to last season when he was traded to the Bills and took the leap up to fantasy's overall wide receiver three for PPR. He will regress upwards throughout the season, and he can and potentially will win people championships in the second half of the season. Yeah, love the take. Definitely go out and get digs if you can. Quick question for you, because Emmanuel Sanders is sitting at wide receiver 13 right now. Um, I just looked, looked it up. Or sorry, wide receiver 17 in PPR formats. Is this going to be at the cost of Emmanuel Sanders? Do you think Emmanuel Sanders is a sell high right now? Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders can be a sell high right now. I don't think that—I I think that Emmanuel Sanders will be good for the rest of the season. Yep. But I think— Diggs will definitely be better like when it all shakes out. I think he'll finish higher. Okay. Um, Cole Beasley was really good last year. Yes. And so it was a similar thing. Um, and just a note on that, Emmanuel Sanders has been better than Cole Beasley in the last three weeks of this, uh, it, for the last three weeks. So um, something worth noting there is that Emmanuel Sanders is probably the wide receiver to, to roster there, not Cole Beasley, but that's beside the point. Yeah, he's Sanders is averaging around six targets a game. That's kind of what he is, and he needs some of those long receptions to be valuable, which he's getting so far this season with Allen throwing to him. Yep. Who are you selling high on? Yeah, Kyle Pitts, tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. Fitz, or excuse me, Fitz, whoa. Pitts finally went boom. He had nine receptions for 119 yards. Pitts magic. <laughs> Pitts magic. We need someone to fill in with Fitzpatrick out, so maybe exactly. that is. All right, Pitts Magic had nine receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown versus the Jets. Look, I'm happy for Pitts. He's a player I'm rooting for, but I don't think this is sustainable rest of the season, and here's why. Both Calvin Ridley, the alpha on this on this offense from a reception standpoint, and Russell Gage did not play in this game. The Falcons had a plus matchup versus the, versus the Jets from a tight end standpoint, and Pitts had 10 targets in Week 5. That sounds great, right, Miles? Yeah. That's not actually a huge bump from other games this season. Matt Ryan is struggling, which is reducing the quality of those targets to a point where I think it's going to affect Pitts' volume moving forward. We talked last week about how the tight end on your team isn't as valuable as you think. And here's an example. Guys like Schultz and Dawson Knox will continue to produce, and you might have missed the boat on some of those players, but you should still tra- consider, excuse me, you should still consider trading away Pitts because guys like Schultz and Knox will continue to pop up every once in a while on the waiver wire. All right, would you trade away Pitts 
to get back Schultz and Emmanuel Sanders. No, I want I, I want more out of Pitts than that, probably. I'm looking for ideally like a solid wide receiver too, and maybe a tight end. Let me throw this one back to you. If you were on a wide receiver needy team, would you trade away Pitts for Robert Woods and Noah Fant? If I'm wide receiver needy, yes, I'll do that. So I mean, that's that's you know, Woods just went boom. He might be he might be too expensive. Maybe Woods doesn't produce next week, and you and you know you believe that Woods will still be a wide receiver too. That's the kind of trade I'm targeting. You know, don't don't sell low. You know, sell high on Pitts. Emmanuel Sanders and Knox are, are both good right now, but I think that they will both probably regress a little bit as the season progresses. See if you can get a solid player who will continue to be good rest of season. Uh, if he if he gets a downgrade throughout the rest of the season, that would be pretty smelly. Pitts. Thanks, Miles. That's that was awesome. Onto your uh, onto your sell high for the uh, for the week. <laughs> It is Miles Gaskin, and we talked about him already. He he was the RB2 on the week, 10 receptions on 10 targets for 74 yards and two touchdowns. He played his highest snap share of the season at 69%. I'm still just getting bad vibes from the team and from the backfield overall. He only got five carries. His bread and butter is and has always been pass catching, but he only got 10 targets really because both Devontae Parker and Will Fuller were out. This will probably be his best game all season. Parker could be back this coming week. Tua could also be back. And if Gaskin goes back to his average of five targets per game from the first three weeks of the season, we will see him go back down to 10 to 12 fantasy points per game, which is still a solid flex option, but not he's not scoring 31 points or whatever he scored this week on a consistent basis. So I think that if you can sell him for RB2 value, I would do it. Yeah, agreed. And Gaskin's a weird one where I don't mind buying him if you are okay taking on some taking on some boom bust. But yeah, if you need some more consistency, I don't think it's going to be from, from Gaskin this season. Yeah, I agree. Um, looking ahead to tonight's Monday Night Football matchup, the Colts are visiting the Baltimore Ravens. What are you looking for tonight? Michael Pittman, wide receiver for the Colts, is quietly putting together an impressive season despite some suspect quarterback play from the Colts. After a week one dud, dud excuse me, he's averaging close to 11 targets per game and has 10-plus fantasy points in three straight games. Zach Pascal, another wide receiver for the Colts, started off hot but has tailed off significantly since week two, and he was never seeing the volume that Pittman is. If Pittman has a bad game tonight, but still maintains a decent target share, you know, maybe in the 7 to 8 range, he'll be a player I'm probably looking to buy low on moving forward. Any concern with T.Y. Hilton potentially coming back from IR either next week or the week after? No, I think Pittman is the alpha, and he's established himself on this roster. If anything, T.Y. cannibalizes and becomes sort of that that messy second tier with guys like Pascal, um, like Paris Campbell. Okay, okay. Um, I'll be looking to see what happens with the Ravens' backfield. Le'Veon Bell, like we mentioned, is a healthy scratch, which means Tyson Williams is active after being a healthy scratch last week. So how will they plan to use the RBs here? Is Tyson just depth for them now, or will he be involved? Is Latavius still the back-to-roster, or is it going back to Tyson Williams? I'm hoping that all these questions will be answered, but it's definitely been messy, and you know, there's a chance that just none of these running backs have value for the rest of the season, and that sucks, but it, it might just be what it is. 
Yeah. Um, it's not actionable advice right now, but I did see a report that the Ravens are apparently getting calls about their running back room from other teams. Uh, this is not necessarily surprising. They're them and the Niners are rostering what seems like half of the running backs in the <laughs> league these days. So and the Texans, a, weirdly, yes, yes, true. Those three teams are rostering like half the running backs in the league. So there are a lot of running back needy teams with injuries right now. Again, I would not pick up, you know, Devont, you know, uh, Devonta Freeman or Lev Bell because of this news. But just be aware that we might see some movement in the next couple of weeks here. Yep. Um, if you are looking for breakdown and analysis of that Monday night football game, as a reminder, please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Miles Ullman FF. Um, I will be, be tweeting out my thoughts on the game as it pertains to fantasy, as well as any thoughts on any breaking news. Like I mentioned, I tweeted out about picking up Ross Dwelly. That didn't work, but hey, follow me anyway. Um, you can follow the show at Dirty Water FF. We're on Instagram at Dirty Water Fantasy, Facebook Dirty Water Fantasy. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, all other platforms are at anchor.fm slash Dirty Water Fantasy. Make sure you like, subscribe, click the bell, sign up for notifications, leave a comment, leave a review, all that jazz. Any parting thoughts, Chandler? No, you know, getting getting into the season now. It's uh, it's put up or shut up time, I think, for uh, for the, for the leagues. Yeah, I it, it, it is it, it's it's really getting to that point where if you're I, I'm gonna be one and four in our dynasty league and yeah. I'm getting nervous. Yeah. Um. But like we talked about last week, I am not going to give up because it's a long season and I just need to make the playoffs and that's all you need to do as well, listener. Make the playoffs and we'll be good and anything can happen. Signing off. See you next week, everyone. Feeding them lies while you're dying inside, dying inside. Oh!